Well, friends, let me invite you to open up your Bibles, please. Uh, today we're starting a new sermon series on the book of Proverbs. And uh, perhaps a few weeks ago you caught an email from me where I sent out an email asking for questions about our Sabbath sermon series. And I want to say thank you uh, for those of you who sent in a few questions. But one of the, the, the questions I received, there's the, the theme is Sabbath, but there was not a theme that you could really distill into one sermon. So I'll have like a special like Q&A podcast episode that we'll put out on our sermon podcast. And, but today we're jumping into um, Proverbs. And so this is a book that is a collection of pithy sayings. And it's, these sayings are meant to be easily held onto, where you're able to memorize them and even teach them. Like, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It's like, but as you hear that pithy saying, you're able to hold on to it and memorize it, and you're able to teach it. Like, what are you trying to teach? Like, right, there's the virtue of hard work and a good work ethic. But as we consider the book of Proverbs, as we'll do so for the next few weeks, few months, and it's part of the wisdom literature. So it stands there next to the book of Psalms, stands there next to Job, stands there next to Song of Solomon. And so, but this is a book that is very clearly about wisdom. And wisdom within scripture means the skill of godly living. This is a book that is about the skill of godly living. And it's a challenging book in many ways because we have much to learn, as we'll see in chapter 1. But as we look ahead um, in the next few weeks, it's a challenging book as it teaches us. And it's quite honest about our lives. But it's challenging in other ways, even from a teaching um, posture. It's not a letter. Like when you think about Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, where there is one idea that Paul is writing to this church. That's a letter. Like Proverbs is not like that. It's not narrative like the Gospels or the book of Judges. This is a collection of pithy sayings. And some of these pithy sayings, as we look at them over the weeks to come, and you read them chapter by chapter, you may wonder, how in the world are these connected to one another? How are they connected to one another? Are they even relevant to one another? So there's a lot to be said about this book, and it can be challenging and complex to study. And so the way that we're going to be approaching this book is really thematically. Topically, looking at this book and see, in each Sunday, we'll take one topic at a time that arises as we consider this book. And so, in a moment, I'll read um, chapter one and the first seven verses, and then we'll look at chapter three and a few verses from there. But the theme that I want us to highlight today is friendship with God. Is friendship with God. As we heard earlier in our call to confession from James, friends, don't you know that friendship with the world makes you an enemy with God? And so this idea within the book of James and the book of Proverbs is that there's two ways of living. And are we living as a friend of God? That's the big question for us this morning. So let's dive into scripture to consider what God's word is. This is Proverbs 1 verses 1 through 7 and then we'll jump to uh, chapter 3 verses 27 through 32. And today I'm reading from a specific translation the Christian standard and I'll explain why later on in the sermon. But that might explain why some of the words may be different if you have a different translation. Let's give our ear to this wonderful word that God gives us. 
the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. Let a wise person listen and increase learning, and let a discerning person obtain guidance for understanding a proverb or parable, the words of the wise and the riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. And then jumping ahead to next to chapter 3, verse 27. When it is in your power, do not withhold good from the one who, to whom it belongs. Do not say to your neighbor, go away, come back later. I'll give it tomorrow when it is there with you. Do not plan any harm against your neighbor, for he trusts you and lives near you. Do not accuse anyone without cause when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a violent man or choose any of his ways, for the devious are detestable to the Lord. But he is a friend to the upright. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for your word here that you have given to us. And we pray that you would minister to us this morning through your word, that you, your spirit would be working in our hearts so that we would not just hear your word, but help us to be doers of your word, that we would take your word to heart and, and shape our lives around what you tell us. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Do you live as if God is your friend? Do you live as if God is your friend? We have strong notions of friendship. We, we understand what this word means. Because while friendship in your life today looks different than it did 10 years ago, and friendship in your life will look differently 10 years from now, while that is the case because we go through different seasons of life, but amidst those differences, when we are considering friends and, and befriending others, looking for friendship, we are looking for certain things. We're looking for someone who welcomes us, who includes us in what they are doing. We are looking for someone who speaks to us, but who also listens to us, where we are able to be known but we're also looking for someone who can actually be there through thick and thin. Each of us, this is what we're looking for in life. Every single one of us here hungers and thirsts for friendship. This is truly something that drives us in life. One musician, Drew Holcomb, any Drew Holcomb fans in here? There we go. You got a bunch of people out there. I'm, I'm done. But that's something we yearn for in life. We need to find our people. Because as we go through the hardship of life, and as we, we know this, we know that as we are re relating to others, that we are finding that people are making judgments. People assume things about us. People have expectations of us. And so then there's all sorts of verdicts. And so there's questions for, that we feel in our lives. Do we meet those expectations? Are we worthy of their friendship? These are things that we go through in our life. And as we grow and change, we may wonder if our friends will be loyal to us or even vice versa. 
will we be friends to others as they change? These are questions that we wonder, we ask ourselves, but they're also fears. Fears. And so a common strategy that we turn to, I know I've turned to this strategy, is fear of man. It's people-pleasing. It's peer pressure. And that is when we live for the approval of others instead of God's. And so here before us, and I'm zooming in this morning on Proverbs 3, 32, that he is a friend to the upright. Right here, this is, this is how the Christian Standard Version translates this Hebrew word. In other translations, it's that the secret counsel or the secret confidence of the Lord. And what we find is that God is telling us that we are his confidants, that God entrusts his secrets to us. That he is our friend. And so something that we need to understand right now is that this is not a simile. This is not a metaphor or analogy. God is not like a friend. God is your friend. That's much more powerful. And it also means there is no disappointment. That he is your friend. This is an incredible picture of the intimacy and the relational depth that we can have with him. And so as we think about this passage, another question to consider, and this is from A.W. Tozer, he, he said this, that what you think about God, the first thought that you have when you think about God, that says a lot. So what is it that when you think about God, what is the first thought that comes to your mind? Is it Lord, Savior? There's many possible things. But did you think about friend? And so the first thing I want us to consider as we work through this idea of being of uh, the friendship of God, the first thing to consider is why is this so hard to believe? Why is this so hard to believe? So like, go back to that question. When you think about God, what it was the first thing that came to your mind? When you think about God and look at within Scripture, there's many different names for God. El, Elohim, El Shaddai, Lord, Lord, King of Kings. Alpha and the Omega, there's many different names for God all throughout Scripture. And when we also think about our own prayers, like we're not praying to God and saying Elohim, we're using different language even in our prayer life of saying Lord, King, Savior, Father. Each of these names say something very specific and powerful and beautiful that he reigns over all things as the king, that he is our rescuer, he is the one who has redeemed us, that he has bought us back from the kingdom of darkness, that as our, the creator, he has spoken everything into existence out of nothing, which just is blowing my mind, that one moment there's nothing, next thing you know, there's creation, and all God had to say is, let there be light. God spoke this universe into existence. Or even Father. Father. I need to forget the specific ratio, but you look in the Old Testament, there's only like a handful of times where God is described as Father. But then you look at the New Testament, and it's over 90 times. And that what's so amazing about that is that we can share the same intimacy with God, the Father, as God the Son, Jesus Christ, had with the has with the Father. So we get to call God our Father. So as we think about all the different names of God, when we th- they get at incredible and beautiful things. And Proverbs here, it's not just in Proverbs, 
It's in Genesis. It's in Exodus. It's in John. It's in James. It's in a lot of different places. But there's an additional name for God. Not an alternate name, but an additional name for us to consider. And it's friend. That God is your friend. And God offers you friendship. He was a friend of Abraham. He was a friend of Moses. That, that Moses would go up on the mountain and God would speak to Moses. That, this, that's the picture there. That God wants to be your friend. Why is this so hard to believe? There's theological reasons. There's philosophical reasons. Here's a few theological reasons. Can God be our friend when... As one theologian, Karl Barth, put it, that he is wholly other. And this is the idea that God is transcendent, that he is above us, he is outside of us, that he is ruling over creation, that he is the creator, we are the creation, that we depend upon him. This is what theologians would call the creator-creature distinction. It's absolutely right. And so that's... But that, there's this idea here is like, can we befriend God that way when we are so different? And not to put Aristotle on the same plane, he said the same thing that it's impossible to befriend the gods. And he's speaking about the, the Greek, the Greco Roman gods. That he's saying that they are too different from us. What in the world do the, the Greek gods have in common with man? Another philosopher, Immanuel Kant, he said that there's the things of God and there's the things of man, and they're in two realms, and the two shall not meet. That God's up here, we're down here, and we can't know God. We can't know God was the philosophy joke there. But the idea is that God is, has not revealed himself, that God does not speak, that we cannot know God. And so can we know God? Can we know God when he is holy? when he is perfect and he is right and he is good, when we are sinners, when we are broken, do we have anything in common? Like, do you have a, this is some of the reasons why we may, you may struggle with this whole idea of being a friend of God. But God says, I am your friend. And here's the wonderful and beautiful thing. Yes, there's this incredible beauty of friendship where it says, hey, we share the same interests. That's wonderful. But what's so unique about the friendship that God, that he offers us, is that he loves us and he pursues us. That's the friendship that God, it, that motivates. That's what motivates God, is that he loves you and he pursues you. And so that's one of the other dynamics that makes friendship with God so hard to believe because it seems too good to be true. That's the cynicism that we were confessing in our prayer of confession, that it seems too good to be true because we think and we know what to expect. And it's like if we hope, it's the hope that kills us. That's the cynical mindset. And so as we think about that whole question of why is this so hard to believe, there are many different reasons. There are many different things that may attribute to why this is hard to believe. That diminishes your belief in the good news, where we dismiss the friendship of God. But I want us to come back to what God is saying to us, that God wants to be your friend. 
God wants to be your friend, that he is the model example of a friend, the best friend. In fact, there are many, many good gifts from God. There are many good gifts, and I just want to highlight two of them, probably out of millions. So the second point to consider is two gifts of friendship. The first gift is hospitality. As we think about friendship, friends show hospitality by making space in their lives for other, others. And when we think about hospitality, it's easy to think of entertaining or entertainments. Like where entertaining is when you have people over to your homes and you're, you're thinking, hey, friends are coming over soon and you have to clean everything up. You need to show that, hey, there's no messy people who live here. It's about impressing others. Hospitality is actually very different than that. Hospitality is about making room for other people in your life. It's about welcoming others into your life. And so what we know about God is that God is a welcoming host, that he invites us into his life. He invites us into his home. He invites us into his family, and he makes space for us. But it's not that simply that God invites you to come to him and and come into his life, that actually God comes to you. God comes to us. He speaks to us on our level, hence scripture. He gives us his word. That God, the Son, did not consider equality with God a thing to hold on to and insist upon, but he let that go and took on the form of a servant and became as we are. He became a part of creation. So God pursues us. There's the incarnation that God comes to you to welcome you. God comes to you to include you in his life. And this is clearly seen. This is beautifully seen in the life of Jesus Christ. There's many different stories I can use from Jesus' life because there are so many. But one is with the call of Matthew. Matthew is the guy who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. He's a tax collector, also known as Levi. But shortly after Jesus started his earthly ministry, he sees Levi, he sees Matthew, and he says, come and follow me. And so Jesus says, come and follow me. But then he says, I'm coming over to your house for a party. Jesus welcomed him. Jesus welcomed Matthew into his life. And then Jesus welcomed Matthew so thoroughly into his own life that Jesus shows up in Matthew's life. And so this is Matthew 11. And so what we see here is this. While while he was reclining at the table, many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. And so the Pharisees were like judging and asking questions. Why is your teacher eating with sinners and tax collectors? But the picture here is this is what Jesus does. That Jesus welcomes you into his life and he shows up in your every day life. And yes, it's over food there in the story from the Gospels, but hospitality is more than welcoming people into your house and eating a meal together. That is true, and it's beautiful, and let's have meals together all the time. But it's also much more demanding than that. It's more demanding than giving advice, money, or some other form of help, because hospitality at its core involves your heart. Where you need to make, where you make room in your heart for other people and bring them into your life. 
And this is what God does. That God makes room for you within his heart. He brings you into his heart. He invites you to come with him. And he welcomes you. He welcomes us with all our sin, with all our neediness, with all our net messiness, with all our fears and insecurities and messiness, because he knows that we are real people with lust and envy, impatience, insecurities, and so much more. And he welcomes us, and he calls us friend. And this is why Jesus came, that Jesus came eating and drinking. Jesus is a friend of sinners. That is incredible. And so what is so beautiful here is that this is the first gift of friendship, that God welcomes you, God includes you in his life, that he is pursuing you, that he is present, present with you. But that is not the only that is by far not the only gift uh, that God offers you as his friend. There's another, a second gift to consider, and it's commitment. This idea of commitment uh, originates in what we, what, this was in our prayer of adoration. God's steadfast love. In the Hebrew, it's hesed. God's covenant love. His never-ending Love. The idea of commitment is honestly one of the reasons why we truly struggle with friendship. Because in our daily lives, throughout our, our life, we f- have been abandoned, ghosted, betrayed. We've been let, simply let down by our friends. That's, when you think about the friends you have had five years ago, just what's... what's What what impact does that have on your your life and what you think about friendship? And because this is our lived experience, we have fears, and we project them onto God. And so we wonder, God, are you really going to be there for me? Are you really going to honor your word where you have said you would be there and be there for me through thick and thin? See, the wonderful truth, though, about God is that he commits himself to you. This is what God is getting at here with that Hesed word, that his steadfast love. His love endures for a thousand generations. In the New Testament, it's a different word. In the Greek, it's agape, that God loves you in a way that is very sacrificial, that Christ died upon the cross and he reconciled you to God. That God is steadfast. And what's so amazing about this love is that God knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you better than anyone else does. He knows everything that you have done. He knows everything you're thinking. He knows everything that you will do. He knows you, and he loves you nonetheless. And, and even, so this is what's so amazing about this. God knows everything about you. He knows everything you will do, and you don't. And he is more committed to you than you are to yourself. God is committed to you. He's not going anywhere. And so when he says, hey, I'm committed to you, I love you, I'm for you, we are able to trust him. He is always faithful. You look at what he has done for his people in Scripture, he has always been faithful. Even though his people are faithless, he is faithful to his people. He'll never abandon you, he'll never ghost you, he'll never leave you hanging. And these are just the two gifts, two of the gifts to briefly consider that God gives us as our friend. But that's not it. That's not all. I want us to think about two ways to deepen our friendship with God. 
And as I think about these two, two ways to deepen our friendship with God, one of them is actually still a gift. One of them is still a gift, but it is also a way to deepen our friendship with God and its dialogue. It's dialogue. Perhaps this may be an odd gift to focus on, but think about this within friendship. Because friendship involves talking and listening, speaking and hearing. That's what any good friendship does. You can only have a decent friendship if you're actually talking to one another and listening to one another. So there's two ways where we see this dialogue within our everyday life. Think about prayer for a moment. What does your prayer life look like? Like prayer is simply talking to God. And so like I mentioned it earlier that here in verse 32, this word friend is translated differently within Scripture. And, and this is translated differently by different translations. That you will see it as secret counsel, secret thoughts. Um, I believe it's Psalm 25, verse 14. It's the same dynamic. But the notion is that God it keeps his confidence with us, that we are his confidants. That's the intimacy that God shares with us. And so do you confide in God where you share your hopes and your dreams with him? Or do you share your hurts with him when you say, God, I'm hurt here. Help me live through, help me think through and process my disappointments. Help me here. And so if you look at the, in the book of Psalms, the Psalms are actually a book of prayers for Israel. It's full of laments. There's so much angst. There's in life, in our lives, that occurs because we actually don't take our disappointments to God and then trust God to work in our lives through those things. So we actually try to do His work on our, ourselves. We try to do things on His timetable in our own time. But what God says is He wants us to bring everything to Him in our daily life. Bring the confusion, the disappointment, and more to Him. That's what prayer is. Talking to God. But God also speaks to us. And this is Scripture. What does your interaction with Scripture look like? Because as Scripture, this is God's Word. And as we are, if you're seeking God, you're, you need to read Scripture and engage with it. But you'll also hear God's Spirit speaking in your heart at the same time. This may look like conviction where you are convicted of your sin and feeling guilty about something you have done or may not have done. You may feel guilty about the ways you have offended God or others. Now, you can always expect God to be the friend who's going to be candid with you. But one way that we regularly respond to this conviction and this guilt is by condemnation, where we just pile on. But that's actually not the intention of conviction. Conviction and condemnation are not the same thing. Conviction is actually meant to lead you to joy, meant to lead you to love. Condemnation is, woe is me. It's never looking to Jesus. So sometimes when we engage Scripture, it looks like that sometimes when we read Scripture, there's conviction. Other times when we read Scripture, there will be times of encouragement. Instruction, like we'll learn more things about God or our lives. We'll have a, a moment of discernment. Perhaps that would be a rebuke. But here is this gift of dialogue where we are talking to God through prayer, listening to him through his word. And this is the means to deepen our friendship with God. 
to experience his loving hospitality as he welcomes us into his heart and he shares and entrusts his secret thoughts with us. That is an incredible gift, and that's the gift of dialogue. It puts also the way to deepen our friendship with God so that by God's grace, as we pray, as we read Scripture in 30 days from now, in months from now, as when we engage in dialogue, we'll be able to say, I know God better today than I did a month ago. I know more about God as my friend than I did a month ago. That would be amazing. And it is amazing. Second thing to do and to cultivate and deepen our friendship with God, and this is brief, and this is what we're seeing in really much of Proverbs is growing in wisdom. Another way to put that is growing in holiness. And we'll see many different pictures of wisdom over the the coming weeks. But in these verses, wisdom looks like holiness. That right and wrong are fleshed out for us. Like, do not withhold good from those to whom it belongs. In other words, you show dignity and honor to one another. Or another time when a neighbor comes to you and says, Hey, may I have a cup of flour? And you have flour right there. Do not say, come back again tomorrow, and I'll give it to you then. No, if you have it right there, give it to them. So, like, be generous. Be hospitable. Welcome people into your lives. And he continues, don't accuse someone when they, don't accuse someone when they have not harmed you. Instead, address wrongs when you've been hurt. See, what's get, what this is getting at here. Think about it in a different place. When God says, be holy as I am holy, the, the, the thing to recognize about friendship is that friends rub off on one another. The more we follow God, the more we will be like him. That, we, that God influences us and he shapes us with his own character. And so the way for us to deepen our friendship with God is by following him in obedience to be holy, and to seek this wisdom that he calls us to. So this is an incredible, this is just truly incredible here. Because God says, I want to be your friend. And this is the invitation that he has for us. And so as we have just briefly considered, there are gifts of of God's friendship that he gives us, but there's also ways to deepen your friendship with him as well. But to close, let me share a story. It's from a movie, and this illustration is not my, my own, but it, is in, but it really convicted me when I first heard it. It's from the, the movie The Bride of Frankenstein. There's a sermon illustration out of left field. But Frankenstein, just to give some context, the Frankenstein monster was truly a monster. He could not speak. He was pieced to, together stitched and sewed together from cadavers and dead bodies. He was somehow created, resuscitated, and he's on the run, hunted by soldiers because he is a monster. And in this scene, he comes to a cottage as he's on the run, hunted by these soldiers. But this cottage cottage is owned by an old blind man. And so as the monster is approaching the house, we cut to the man who's inside the the cottage, and he's on his knees, and he is praying. He's praying to God, and he's asking God for a friend. He says, Lord, give me a friend. Give me a friend in my old age. And he hears a noise outside the door, 
And as a blind man, he gets up and he goes over to the door and he opens the door. And he cannot see. He, all he's hearing is like grunting outside this, this door. He hears this commotion. And as he opens this door, he tells that he's able to discern that someone's right in front of him. And he says, oh, friends, I'm blind. You're mute. Come on inside. Let's be friends. He feeds him. He cares for him. And through this gift of friendship, the monster is humanized. The, the monster who could not speak begins to speak. He says, friend. He asks for food. Sadly, tragically, the soldiers find the house. And they burn it down, killing the old man. And next you see the monster wandering throughout the forest, saying, friend, friend. He's looking for his friend. As I think about this, this reminds me of my own heart. It remi reminds me of my life, my experiences. I am the monster being patched and pieced together when I've lived for other people's approval. When I have been guided and determined by other people's expectations and judgments and more. And yet, as I'm looking for friends in life, there's only one friend that will truly humanize me. There's only one friend that will heal me. There will be only one friend who will bring me life. And if I have that friend, then I'll experience the joy and many more things. But the beautiful thing about Scripture, the beautiful message of God's Word, is that it is God. That He presents Himself to us and He says, I am your friend. Come and enjoy my secret thoughts in my life with you. So come and enjoy the friendship of God. That is the wonderful invitation to you from this wonderful book of Proverbs. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your wonderful, wonderful good word. That you are one who loves us, who knows us. That you pursue us and you call us your friend. Knowing everything that we have done, every way that we have sinned and offended and hurt and disappointed. Father, you call us your friends. And that is wonderful. We pray that in the coming days and weeks that you will give us a deeper sense of the friendship that we enjoy with you. Give us the grace to, to and give us the wonderful grace to have a deep prayer life, to have an oh, enjoyable time reading your word, that we will experience your hospitality and know with incredible assurance that you commit yourself to us. Help us to believe this wonderful good news. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.